Welcome to the Gate Crashers Podcast, where we storm the gates of publishing and dare to talk about the realities of the industry. I'm your Ivory Tower representative, Amanda Liedeke, literary agent and vice president at the Gregor Liedeke. And I'm your self-publishing insider, Carice Crow, novelist and speaker. One of the things that you and I get to hear about a lot, but I think a lot of our listeners are unaware of, is the following that we have started to garner with some of the editors at publishing houses, just because they feel that this type of podcast is something that the industry really needs and needs a honest, hard look at the realities of our business. Mm-hmm. And so we thought it would be a good idea to reach out to some of those editors and find out if they have any thoughts that they'd like to share with our Gatecrashers family. Yeah, kind of like if you could say anything to your authors as an editor and for it to be completely anonymous, no one would know that it's you, either would it so there couldn't be like feelings hurt and weirdness between you. What would you say if you could tell them anything? If there's like, what, what is that thing that's burning in your head that you just want to tell your authors, hey, stop doing this, or maybe you should do this, you know, like what, what, what are those things? And, right. and we got um, some responses from folks and these are editors who have been in the business for a long time. I will say that. And they're well-respected and they are working at big houses and mid-sized houses. So these aren't going to be your like smaller indie press editors. These are people working with a traditional publishing structure. All right. Got it. So number one, this editor wants their authors to know, text me during work hours. I care so deeply about your book, but I don't care enough to interrupt dinner with my family to talk about it. (laughs) (laughs) So text me during work hours. That is the, that was, yep. Yep. And that's something that's hard. I mean, it's hard to tell someone, Hey, right. I'm on, I'm alone. Like I'm, I'm with my family. I'm off. I care about you, but I will care about you more tomorrow starting at 9am. Right. Yeah. Right. And I mean, that's fair. I mean, none of us like it when our business stuff starts interfering with in the middle of making dinner or right. watching a movie with your kids. There's nothing that this editor can do in that moment to right. change whatever fire needs to be put out. Exactly. So that idea of reach out to your editor during work hours, that's a considerate thing to do, even if you feel like the sky is falling. Yeah. You know? I wonder if this has gotten to be a bigger problem in the last nine months or so since everybody's working from home. Yeah. I know that's something that a lot of people are dealing with is that now that you're working from home, you don't really have that physical separation between Mm -hmm. work area and home area. And that's a hard transition to make. Yeah. So number two, the editor wants their authors to know that so many proposals are boring. Okay. They said, yes, I need all of the information. You know, I, I, I need all of that. But I also want to see a little bit of the author's personality. If you submit a proposal that's engaging, well-designed, and shows me your branding as an author, my pitch to the pub board is 10 times easier. And then they went on to say, and please include a video with your proposal. This doesn't need to be fancy. It doesn't need to be long. 
60 or 90 seconds to introduce yourself, share your concept and thank the publisher for taking a look. That, so that is, again, things that this person so desperately wants authors to know. Yeah, that's interesting. The video part, especially. The video makes a lot of sense because the way that you act on camera is not going to be any different for that kind of content versus what you would do for your social media followers. Mm -hmm. And it would also inform them of what you would be like in an in-person event setting with readers, how you would interact, how you speak, how you move. Mm -hmm. It helps inform them, you know, if you're nuts or not. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. No, totally. It weeds out the people that are just not... Socially adept enough. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because it's not just about writing books. It's being a personality. Right. It's playing that role. And you can play it as genuinely as possible, obviously. We're not asking authors to fake who they are, but you have to step into the limelight somewhat. And this mentality of, well, I'm just not going to do that. It doesn't work these days. So those pitch videos, and that's something that I've started to ask authors to do because it just can really capture who that person is. Even just sometimes the way they look can help tell a story about their brand far better than words on a page. Yeah. Cause that yeah. can communicate, you know, is this person trustworthy? Mm-hmm. If you're doing, you know, like that kind of self-help nonfiction type stuff. Is this somebody whose opinion I'd respect? Mm-hmm. Would I listen to them if I saw a video of them on YouTube or if they were out giving a talk, would I sit down and hear them out? Or do they seem like maybe they don't have it all together? Maybe they don't have the answer that I need, you know? Right. Are they going to connect with their target audience? Exactly. It's, you know, know, connecting with Zoomers is a lot different than connecting with boomers. That Mm -hmm. takes two completely different looks, approaches, all of that. And so you need to make sure that the author fits that and that they can deliver well on the expectations of that audience. Yeah. Uh, Number three, the advice from the editor, meet your deadlines. A publisher isn't just contracting your book. The publisher is contracting hundreds of titles every year. When you're late, you affect the production schedule of every book the publisher has in process. Um. And then, of course, problems happen and, you know, things, things rise up that we don't expect. But more often than not, not meeting deadlines just feels like unprofessionalism, poor planning, and selfishness. Yep. <laughs> no, I mean, when I worked in advertising and I would put our print materials together, like our holiday mailer and that kind of thing, there is a certain timeline where things just have to be done by then. Mm-hmm. And that's it. So it's not uncommon that you're doing the Christmas photo shoot in June and everybody's, you know, outside at the log cabin yeah. with fake snow and they are in full pants, long sleeves, and it's 95 and everybody's sweating. But that's when the pictures have to get done because the pictures have to be retouched because you're yeah. going to have to go in and then figure out all that product and add in all the text, not even counting in how much time it takes to print it for everything to be assembled for all those things to get sent off. So yeah, it's, it's the same way with books. They have planned that this is your launch date and yeah. they've got other books to do, man. 
I think about in my own life, you know, the deadlines that come up and the times that I've been rushed to finish many times it has been because of poor planning on my part or because I chose to spend some time doing something that I went when I should have been working, you know, yeah. I chose to spend that time relaxing or, you know, and we can all say, well, we all need to relax. Well, yes, but you also need to, need to meet your deadline. Right. So you can rest after you meet your deadline. Yes. Um, and I know the whole struggle with like writer's block and I'm just not feeling it. And, you know, there, there are, and I can't speak for every author and I get that everyone's different, but um, man, when you can learn to push through that and figure it out, you will be so much better off (laughs) as a writer. That's a definite skill. Okay. This is number four. And this editor said, said that this is their number one pet peeve that they just wish they could tell authors to stop. And that is making snarky comments or criticisms about another author or their work on social media. Oh. And what's, yeah. And what's even worse is a back and forth between two authors in the comments. This person said, it makes me want to cancel an author's contract. Uh, they said, this is a smaller world than you think. And nobody is the new benchmark for great writing. So you get that deal. You're feeling pretty good about yourself and you feel the liberty to go and trash some book that, you know, didn't reach your level of right. expertise, you know, and this editor is like, nope. Right. <laughs> There's a Ben Folds song where the lyric goes, There's always someone cooler than you. Mm-hmm. You know, it, yep. you might think that you're the better writer today. It's going to turn around on you. And we've, we've talked about this kind of thing before about being cautious about what you post on social media and be cautious about what you say. Mm-hmm. And that saying something for the explicit purpose of holding somebody else down mm-hmm. is vastly different than saying something to hold somebody else up. Yeah. And this is just like that. If there's a book in your genre or an author that you just don't like their writing, you don't think they're as good as you, talk to your cat about it. Yeah. That's the appropriate outlet. Not your Twitter followers. Right. And it's one thing to say this book, this book wasn't for me. It's another to completely tear it apart or yes. question the author's ability as a writer. Because if you're one. doing that as an author, especially if you're doing that about another book that's been traditionally published, small house or large, you're not just cutting down the other author, you're cutting down the editor. Mm-hmm. and the house and everybody who worked on that project to make that book what it was a lot of whom i guarantee you don't know who they are but you're happy to minimize their efforts mm-hmm. i mean yeah. that just does not speak yeah well of you as a person uh number 5 our advice is what we actually believe represents a win-win for both the author and the publisher. Yeah, I think you'll know more about that one. I mean, I can see where they're coming from, where a publisher would suggest something uh-huh. that yeah. the author would just be like, why would they ever? Yeah. They're not trying to sabotage you, I think is what yes. I'm getting. That is it. That is it, it, it exactly. And I've gone into situations with authors trying to navigate like 
being the peacemaker between the author and the publisher because the author mm-hmm. just thinks, well, the publisher just doesn't know or that they don't care. And it's like, no, their advice is truly what they believe is going to be the best. They're not just like pulling something out of thin air. They're not right. just, you know, pushing something that they don't believe in. And authors are so, I don't know if it's just like they're jaded or what, but they tend to question a publisher's motives all the time, especially when it comes to marketing stuff. I think I think it comes from that traditional contract is so difficult to get that once you get it, you're just not sure. You're kind of like a dog who's caught his tail. Mm-hmm. And now you don't know what to, what do you do with it? Mm-hmm. You know, and it just doesn't seem like, okay, you're in, you've crossed the threshold. It's more like you've got to keep proving yourself and keep chasing it. And, right. but they made it so difficult. They must not have really wanted me. I must've barely just, yeah, you know, I'm just a drop in the bucket, you know, kind of a yes. mentality. And this, this editor went on to explain that, um, you know, once they pay the advance, the author is the only one holding the money. They're the only right. one who's currently in the, in the black. Right. The, the publisher, on the other hand, they're spending, you know, they're writing check after check, getting this book through the process. And so to assume that the publisher doesn't want the best for the book is to assume that the publisher enjoys losing money. Well, and it's like Jonathan said, publishers only contract with books that they believe will be successful. Mm-hmm. They know that they can't all be successful, but they only pick the ones that they say yes. This one has a good chance of being successful. Yep. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Gatecrashers podcast. If you found value in this episode or in any of the episodes we've done, you can drop a tip in our tip jar. You can send a tip via PayPal. Simply use our link, paypal.me slash gatecrashers, or log into PayPal and search us using our username, which is at gatecrashers. And be sure to be here next week for a brand new episode.